We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spikes? There you go. Come on, bro. You're a professional. Come on, bro. Let's go, man. 25, 24 years old, but I've been in this shit for a minute, dude. Been doing it since I was like 16. Hmm. So I, I think a lot of people think podcasting is this brand new wave or whatever, but dude, no, I've been in this, I feel like, a minute. Been doing this a while, yeah. right? Damn. So that makes it what, like about 10 years you've been doing it? Almost, bro. Which is, it's just fucking, it's eight years, but like, it's just fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Now everyone wants to do a podcast and. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because when I first started doing a podcast six years ago, when people would ask me about it, they're Mm -hmm. like, oh shit, that's dope, bro. You do a podcast. Now it's turned into, of course you have a podcast. I know. The eye roll, dude. Yeah. The the eye roll tells me everything. And I'm like, yo, don't give me that. Like, I, I started this like in high school. I went to like local little league games recording on my laptop like don't tell me don't give me the eye roll that like oh you of course you have a podcast you're like i'm half portuguese so i'm technically half hispanic but oh shit so you're portuguese yeah yeah you into soccer cr i mean just cr7 wherever he goes i go because because i'm greek and like Bro. we we won the Euro Cup in 04. I'm twenty five percent Greek. Okay, no way. Come on, bro. Let's go, bro. That's why everyone calls me Lamb. No way. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So I'm Portuguese Greek and a diehard Milwaukee Bucks fan. So freak, you baby. could imagine when Giannis fucking mm-hmm. rolled rolled through in 2014 or whatever. Yeah, it was a big big deal. <laughs> Damn. Wow, that's interesting, bro. By yeah. the way, Bo Templin in the building. My guy didn't give you the proper introduction. I kind of just, I kind of just press record and I'm cool with we that. Lock bro. in, yeah. We get ready. I'm totally cool with that. Um, sometimes I think it's almost like a better start to the pod is like you just hit record and then you let the guests forget that it's on. Yeah. Like hit them with like two bullshit questions and then like go, yo, you know what? I didn't do that, man. Let me give you the introduction. Like get them into the flow a little bit first. It's a it's a classic trick. Yeah, there was one time I had one of my buddies the first time he was on a podcast and I saw he was like super tense. Sure. And then I just pressed record without him noticing. We're just having a conversation like mm-hmm. that. And then I stopped the pod. He's like, yo, when are we starting? I was like, oh, we're like 20 minutes in, bro. Yeah. He's like, really? No way. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. That's sometimes just to ease it up. It's the, uh, 
it's like the oldest trick in the playbook. And especially if you're working with people who don't record a lot or don't podcast a lot, like in journalism school, right? You have to get witnesses or you have to get like sources, sources, you know, someone who lives on the street, like, oh, what's the history? And they're nervous. So, you know, I'll hit record and be like, wait, so how long have you guys like lived here? Like, how long have you lived here? I forgot. And then like, they go, oh, we moved back here like back in 1975. So you hit them with the soft question first just to get them rolling. Interesting. Dude, you're, uh, you're, you're fascinating to talk to because it seems like, <laughs> it seems like you've wanted to do this for a while. Like day one, bro. That like, wasn't the case with me. Real. So I, and I wanted to ask you about it. Cause I was like, dude, you, your setup's fucking incredible. Like how, like I wanted to know the story. I knew you were going to ask me shit, but like, when did it turn to go time? Like, yo, this is going to be my thing. So yeah, you know how like you always hear those stories of people like, yeah, I wanted to do this my whole life. Yeah. This was a dream yeah. of mine since I was a baby. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what was it first? So my buddy, one of my good friends is- Outside uh, of slinging a football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, you know, could have <laughs> went pro if the liquor didn't slow us down. But uh, one of my buddies is Joe Santagato. He's a YouTuber and he's been YouTubing since like the General Marbles days. Holy and Dom shit. You remember Dom Yeah. So super throwback and uh, childhood friends. We grew up together. And around like 2014, he started doing this podcast with uh, this chick. And it was like a comedy, like guy-girl dynamic sure. and shit. And they talk about like crazy stories, like what's yeah. a red flag in relationships or whatever. So I went on and I did a podcast with him. He invited me to like the comedy cellar in the city. And they had like this remote room where they were doing shows and shit. So it might have not been the comedy cellar, but I do know it was a comedy club. Anyway. He was like, yo, it was pretty fun, right? You liked it? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I think this is the new form of media. It's like 2014-ish. Around 2015, he's like, yeah, I want to start a sports show. Would you be down? I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, yeah. you know? And at the time, I was always a sports dude in my friend group. Like, yo, what do you think of that trade? Of course. When it came to gambling, I mean, there was, you know, there was no one that knew that topic more than I did. So I was always like the betting guy, the sports guy, whatever it might be. And uh, yeah, we started doing the podcast, growing, growing, growing. And then over time, hosted my two other shows, did a wrestling show. That's how I connected with our guy, Justin. Shouts to Justin, the wrestling classic. Our dog. Um, started doing a sports betting, predominantly sports betting show called Degeneration Bets. No way. Yeah, That's play on the wrestling. Name. Had a buddy of mine, Johnny, who's a rapper, did a freestyle about me and my co-host, Impy, using that beat, too. So it was sick, man. So I started hosting. And then over time, like people, the the rest of the dudes in the group that I was doing veterans minimum with, kind of just went their own separate ways. One got married, wanted to focus on like fantasy stuff. Yeah, the other one was checked out. People, you know, just life got in the way. So I took it over, and then fast forward a couple of years later, the studio, the whole setup, is where we're at now. You, like you know, people come and go, whatever. In the like content creation, and the truth is, if it was easy everyone would do it right like oh yeah talking sports or talking movies or whatever your passion is dude if it was easy everyone would yeah. want to fucking do it but the reason that not everyone's doing it is because it's like hard and it's not always talking sports it's like editing it's mm -hmm. exporting it's like scheduling so a lot of that shit can get in the way of like the passion i guess per se but um i was like exact opposite loki like definitely the sports kid in the friend group but all my homies are like geniuses in the sports world we mm. got a, we got a buddy my boy sleater was working with the phillies for four years at my age like on the the coaching staff 
I got a buddy doing stats for the Chargers. I got a buddy working at Fox Sports. Like these are all my intimate, tight, tight circles. So like all sports just nuts. And uh, my mom's a public speaker. So (laughs) kind of the the mix between the two. My dad's sports photographer growing up. um, No longer doing that, but sports photographer growing up. Mom, public speaker and author. Boom, right in the middle. And there I am. Wow. Yeah. So since like five years old, dude, I've known that this was going to be. Damn, that's so that's so dope, bro. Because a lot of people don't have that kind of journey, right? Everyone's path yeah. is different, but it's cool when you see someone sort of. I guess we were kind of built to do something like this, right? Like in a lab, yeah, yeah. in a <laughs> lab, it. bro. Like wanted to do this like freshman or high school, you know, final project. What do you want to be when you're older? I interview the local sports radio show host in San Diego. I joined podcasting club at 16 years old go to Missouri School of Journalism because it was the best journalism school in the country. Like, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I left San Diego to go to Missouri. So, you know, when people are like, yo, why the fuck did you go there? I'm like, dude, this is what I want to do. This is the dream. Damn, that's so dope, man. So so how old are you now? 24. Wow, so you were doing podcasting stuff before anyone even knew what that was. That was like the early stages of podcasts. And the only reason why I knew it was because I watched UFC since I was a kid and Joe Rogan. Like, if I don't watch UFC, I don't know about podcasting as early as I did. Yeah. So everyone knows Joe Rogan, podcaster, podcaster. I'm like, Joe Rogan, the fucking fight analyst? Like, I knew him as a Fear Factor guy. Sure. Yeah. And for me, it was like a fight, like, you know, the fight color guy and started a podcast and i'm like oh shit this this could be kind of fucking it like this is gonna reduce like radio signal limits and limitations onto cities like yo whoever had the hottest new york radio show back in the day whether it be you know i don't know hot 97 for example or like espn new york uh mike and the mad dog and that's what i was gonna go with for sure those limitations are gone now. So now mm. it's like, yo, whoever are the top 10% in creating radio shows, you have a gig. And so that was the exciting part to me. Wow, man. How was it going to Missouri? Tough transition for a few months, but a blast, dude. Like SEC football. Oh. Yeah, come on, bro. Yeah, come on. Yeah, SEC yeah. football, huge journalism, sports broadcasting school. Didn't, I'm not like super fratty. Like, growing up, I'm a beach kid, so I didn't join right away, but then I eventually did join and loved it, made a ton of new friends, and mm-hmm. big part of the big part of the journey. Loved it, yeah. Actually met my first or second podcast co-host in my fraternity, Uncle Luke, my boy. <laughs> Got to always shout out Uncle Luke. Got to shout out Uncle yeah. Luke, yeah. Wow, man. You know, a lot of people, they don't really... They don't really venture out of their home state, whether it's moving or even going away to school. Like, a lot of my buddies, dude... No one really went away to school outside of one friend that went to Syracuse, still in New York. So have you lived anywhere other than NY? Buffalo. Okay. Still in New York, okay. but okay. also not New York. <laughs> yeah, I hear Western, you. Western New York is very different. It's, it's, it's upstate. It's not the city <laughs> life. You know what I mean? It's very cold. Yeah. Like, dude, I, so I played football. I was a soccer kid growing up. And then my sophomore year, I started playing football. Because uh, my buddy Vinny, who's now the head coach at my old high school, he was the quarterback before me. And he knew me from the neighborhood. He's like, dude, I'm graduating. They need a quarterback. Yeah. I think you'd be yeah. great. I was like, bro, I don't want to get yeah, hit. Man, like, come on. fuck that. I was a soccer kid. I was soft. You know what I <laughs> mean? He's like, yo, I'm telling you, man. Like, go. They, they need one. And I, I think you're smart enough to pick up the playbook, whatever. 
So he introduces me to the coach. And then uh, the assistant coach, Coach Hernandez, was the one who was doing all the spring practices. So I went in there, learned the playbook quickly. I have a good memory. Like, I remember a lot of things. And also, like, when I see it once, I can remember it. Like, I still, I still remember, like, my playbook from high school and what opposing teams were doing against us. Like, that kind of thing. I always wanted to be a coach, too. See, I just don't know, love football, right. like watch it every Sunday, but don't know X's and O's like that. And I admit it, like I always want to admit to people like, yo, I don't know X's and O's. I don't know what the cover two or like deep coverage is going to be here. Like I, I never want to pretend like I yeah, know something yeah. that I don't. So not authenticity sells though, yeah. man. And you don't want to come off as a fraud. Like one thing I do, I'll go back to, to my point, but one thing that I hate is in sports media, you have people covering sports or topics that they're not informed about. And it just, it's obvious. It's more obvious now, though, than it was 25, 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. And now, especially with sports betting becoming so prevalent. And, the I mean, rights New are York rights just, and the wrongs are wrongs, bro. Yeah, and some people can't even read lines. Yeah. I almost like don't even pay attention to stuff like that because it's like, if you can't read yeah. a little bit. Like, I'm an idiot when it comes to numbers. I like... I really don't understand gambling, and I can understand gambling very much more than like the average person. Yeah. But uh, I didn't understand why is Buffalo so much colder than it is here. It's by the lakes, oh. Lake Erie, oh, okay. Great Lakes over okay. there. Uh, also, like by Canada too. I never yes. understood, but I like never understood. I was like, they're right fucking next to each other. Man, it's the lake effects, and I would go. So by playing soccer, I was a great kicker. So I went to Division three school, Buffalo State. Shout out to the Bengals. <laughs> I went and I kicked there my freshman year. And, dude, I would go August, end of August. I would go into the team meetings in a tank top and shorts. And the first time I would go there, everyone has, like, jackets and sweaters with them. I'm like, what are these guys doing? It's 85 out. Yo, you leave the meeting. 45 degrees holy 50 shit. and you're like yo you gotta yeah. walk like half a mile to get back to your dorm and shit you're like what the hell is going on so what's your who's your like nfl player comp like you know you got your sunday men's league you were talking about a little bit who's the, who's the player comp oh man That's like coming out one. of the draft oh uh, you know he's like a oh drew Brees. oh shit yeah don't have the biggest arm okay big check down guy mm -hmm. sets up everything deep and uh pretty accurate I got a great Breeze story for Tell you. Me. Are you a Breeze guy? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, the last couple of years, I felt like he held the Saints okay. back. He was a big reason why yeah. they were not getting over the hump. But, I mean, he was the first. He kind of opened up all the doors for the Russell Wilsons, Johnny Manziel's. I know Ky that didn't Kyler. work out. Kyler. Yeah, that, that six-foot and under quarterback. Back then, you would look at guys like that. You're like, I'm not drafting him. And what's crazy, though, is he did it without the legs. Yeah, it was pure pocket. He's an athlete. I, I, you know what? I kind of misspoke there. Nah, but I know what you mean. Yeah. He's not a guy who, like Russell Wilson, you could see it make sense because, yeah, he has a great arm, but a lot of the stuff, they're moving the pocket for him. They're giving, getting him in space to throw on the run. And, like, to be fair, I was a uh, I was a little bit of a, like, Kyler doubter. Haters strong because, like, I like the guy. I like that he played multiple sports and all that jazz, but... Out of college, I was like, yo, he's going to get hit a couple times, and he's going to feel that shit. Mm. So I was a little hesitant at first. Obviously, he's proving me wrong yeah. you know, this year. And I like seeing I like when guys prove me wrong. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that isn't the case. Like, if I make a prediction or I, like, say something out, they're like, oh, you were wrong. I'm like, thank God. Like, when Justin Gaethje got to the UFC, first fight against Michael Chandler, 
oh, this guy won't make it. Johnson. Bro. Or Michael Johnson. Yeah, yeah Michael, Michael Chandler Michael was over the, I actually <laughs> just watched that fight again today. Third time I rewatched <laughs> that fight, bro. So good. Michael Johnson and Michael Johnson's piecing him up in the first round. And I was like, oh, this style's not going to make it, bro. He's getting hit way too many times. And then, you know, he proves me wrong. I'm like, thank God he did. Yeah. Justin Gaethje's the fucking man. He's one of the best guys in the UFC to have. So I like being proven wrong. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, I feel as if they take too much pride in being right when a player doesn't pan out. Like, yeah. oh, I knew I wouldn't draft them and mm-hmm. shit. It's like, first of all, I there's nothing I hate covering. And I know hate is a strong word. NFL draft coverage despise it despise it dude i for my my dog yo my dog my dog i feel passionately about what i'm about to tell you nobody knows anything when it comes to the draft i really believe that because you look at guys that they give a plus grades to Mm -hmm. they're out the league in three years guys that were one star recruits or oh this was this team got a d minus grade and then their quarterback is there for 15 years it drives me crazy some things you can tell Right, like if a guy has a lot of character issues off the field, they're like, yeah, "Yeah, you know what? That's probably going to translate. Then he's off the team. But as far as draft grades drive me crazy, draft analysis drives me crazy. It's it's too much, and and I feel passionate about one. Twenty year olds are not even like in the first chapter of their lives. Yeah, you're you're gambling on a young young kid. So I think, one, that's a big issue. It's like, yo, why would you invest so much money or time into a 20-year-old? Is nuts. The other thing, though, is I think it's less about the player. Like, know your own system. Mm. Like, like that's why I think Belichick – I don't think Belichick's necessarily a great drafter. I think he knows his system better than anyone else, and he knows what his system needs. I think he looks at it reversely. A lot of people look like talent. Oh, you know, who are the best players? Like, no, let's look at our system and see how that goes. Yeah, no, that's a fair that's a fair assessment. I also find it interesting when people lose their mind that a kid's 21, 22 years old and like does some dumb shit. Yeah. Or like, oh my god, he yeah. spent all this money on chains and just got new cars. It's yeah. like, bro, I'm 30. I would do way worse. I'm 31 in March. <laughs> if I get thrown 2 million dollars out of nowhere, yeah. immediately going to Vegas with yeah. some of my friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like People forget that these kids are so young. But too. we we only care though because we see it now. Mm. So like 1996, fucking Dennis Rodman, a world champion, yeah. goes to Vegas for three days in the middle of an NBA season, and <laughs> NBA no one, finals, NBA finals, and, and no one cared. Like what? How the fuck did that happen? So when the Giants had that boat trip incident, yeah. Which the Giants, I think, are like 20 and 53 yeah. since Just then. Just hilarious. Or you're Giants, right? Huge Giants yeah, fan, yeah. yeah. So Tom Brady got asked about that. And he said, when I first became the starter, I was flying coast to coast on like Mondays and Tuesdays. I wanted to win on Sunday because then we didn't have to come back till Wednesday. He's like, and I was doing this in between games. No one saw it though. Yeah, like of course not, bro. It's now, a- if you're an athlete and your team just lost by thirty, yeah. and you're in the strip club after making yeah. it rain, that's just gonna be all over TMZ. Poor James Harden, bro. <laughs> Poor James Harden. He just got the absolute like brunt of all of it over the last five years, dude. The guy's just getting worked. Like whether it's a picture of him, like oh James Harden looks overweight, or like oh you know the like 
the Houston strippers when James Harden leaves town to go to Brooklyn. Like all that shit is just so funny. I read know. an article that his jersey was hanging in the rafters of a Houston strip club. Like that's all you need to know about that. Bro, that's that, iconic, dude. dude. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. God damn it, I can't stand him though. <laughs> Bro, I want to circle back to some UFC talk because yep. uh, you're in town because of UFC 268. Yeah. Uh, first time in New York? Second time in NY. I was here for like three days this summer uh, doing some DraftKings brainstorming stuff. But this is my first like legit trip out here a week doing events. I got Bucks, Knicks tomorrow. I'm going to Peter Luger's yeah. tomorrow. Or excuse me, Thursday. Yeah, get so, ready to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to, uh, I did John's with Bleecker. Mm -hmm. I did Joe's last time I was here. And then, and I'm forgetting the fucking name of the Italian spot I went to last night in Little Italy. Fucking bomb, though. Yeah, I'm living it up right this time. Taking the subway to work every day, like, going around town. Yeah. Trying to do it right, you know what I mean? Came into Queens, too. Bro, I, I don't know, like, what the reps are. You know, like, what are the reputation of Queens around town? But, like... I fuck with this so much, dude. Like the different types of people, the communities, like just the diversity is incredible. Oh, Ditmar's Boulevard, which is on the other side of Astoria. Now you're in Astoria, right? Okay. In Queens, the other side. And uh, Steinway Street, where I told you. Yeah. Probably the most diverse roads in the whole country. In like. Country, I said, not county. Yeah. Like the whole country. And it I'm, is wild. I'm San Diego, and it's di like we got a lot of diversity over there. Like my high school is 40% Mexican. You see San Diego's like ton of Asian population. So like I thought San Diego was diverse and it was like, whoa, there's everything here. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. My high school to this day was the majority was black, Hispanic and Asian. That's in, yeah. And like maybe 15 to 25 percent white. And then what's the community in New York that speaks Spanish mostly or like a lot of Spanish? Uh, Is that like Bronx? I would say the, yeah, there's parts in the Bronx, uh, Spanish Harlem, obviously okay, okay. it's in the name, Flushing, okay. also Corona, Jackson Heights in Queens. Okay. Yeah. Like City Field yeah. is huge Latino community there. So is it true that like if you're just an outsider coming to New York, go to City Field, not Yankee Stadium? Um, hmm, uh, you know what? City Field is a nicer stadium. Yeah. Um, but the... The luster yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. the Yankees. Right? I'm a Met fan, but okay. it's like, uh, you, go, go to a Yankee game. Don't I, do I, went, I went in July. Yeah. I did Yanks. But when I was there, even Yankee fans were like, you know, we love our, we love our Yankees, but you got to go to City. Well, the stadium experience <laughs> yeah. is way okay. better at City Field. Yeah, but it's the aura of Yankee Stadium. You know, it's the Yankees, yeah. too. It's the pinstripes. Yeah. Like, that's what you would go to. But would you... Uh, oh, we were talking UFC. Yeah, what would you, what'd you think of uh, 268? Because you were in the building. I was in the building, in too. In the building. So I guess I'd like need to preface a little bit. Like It was the craziest week of my oh, life. Oh, yeah, bro. Yes. And you got the boxing shirt oh, on. Tell us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us the last like five days you've had. Because you've been bro, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Travels. Like the craziest five days of my life. Last second, get you know, DraftKings. Yeah, they put the bat signal in the sky. They, you know, the bat signal's in the sky in Gotham. They're like, yo, we need help with boxing coverage. I'm like... I'm your fucking guy for this. Like, please let me help you. Canelo fight. They send me out. Uh, press conference. Green room. And, like, I'm I'm just in fucking heaven. Got to talk with Canelo for 30 seconds. Got to talk with Caleb Plant for 30 seconds. I got to chill next to Canelo as he's walking out for the press conference. And, like, 
one of my favorite things in boxing is the introduction, right? Like when Jimmy Lennon Jr. says, De Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico, you know, the orgulloso de Jalisco, like that shit gives me chills, bro. And the way he says Saul, Canelo, Alvarez, that's everything. So getting to hear that. A little bit of chaos the day I'm supposed to leave, miss the flight, f- take a red eye from Vegas to New York. I remember because I was like, bro, I'm going to be pre-gaming at this spot right by the garden. You're like, dude, my flight's delayed. I'm going to need to sleep. Bro, I've had an adventure. Mode, bro. Pure, <laughs> pure panic mode, but like fueled by the love of like just like the fight game, New York, the buzz of the, the trip and everything. My cuzzo and I, my cousin's staying in New York for a couple months, so we did uh, – we started drinking pretty early on on Saturday. <laughs> like I'm on two hours of sleep and just absolutely loved it. Got to MSG. And the most notable thing, and you're going to agree with this, was just Chandler Gaethje almost, almost ruined the night. I get what you're saying. Fucking epic. Just yeah. like so goddamn good. And like, dude, literally nobody was sitting down. It was so damn good. I felt so bad for Billy Q and Shane Burgos. Amazing after, fight. Like if if Chandler Gaethje doesn't happen, I think we're talking about Billy Q versus Shane. Like, yo, like yo, yes. is that fight of the year? Yes. Like is this one of the most iconic fights in the history of MSG? I know that sounds like hyperbole or exaggeration or bullshit. I couldn't agree with you more. Billy Q was fucking zombie mode, bro. Yo. Like, I don't know if he, he's a New Yorker, right? Yeah, so he's from he's, Buffalo. Like, he's trying yeah. to put it on for the and, city and, and, and Burgos is from the Bronx. I didn't know. Okay, yeah, so he's I a city Bur- kid. Yeah, yeah. He used to he used to be training partners with, with my buddy Sergio, who got me into jujitsu. Okay, it there you could tell there was more than just the fight on the line. There was like, there was something else. Yeah, and it was the New York thing. And bro, they put on a fucking I know, bloodbath man. battle. Yeah. Um. Whole night was fucking epic. Two great champions put on great performances that champions do, like facing adversity, facing top competition. How do you handle those moments? Mm-hmm. It might be ugly at times, right? Like if you're Kamaru, yeah, you might get clipped a couple times by yeah. Colby. Or if you're Rose, like, yo, like Wei Lee came in and, and took control in the first round and fuck, like you're facing adversity. But that's that's why they're champions. That's what they do. They They overcome that shit. Yeah, man, that that first fight, I remember talk, telling my buddy Josh, I was like, dude, I feel bad for the rest of the card. And I was like, I feel bad for us because we just. Yeah. That was a, dump, yeah, right? That's, that's what they it. call yeah, it. Yeah, that was exactly it. It was just such a high. And it makes sense why they moved it because Whitman didn't want to have to corner three have straight. To. Yeah, you had to. Uh, shout out to the Whitman parlay. I gave that out on upsets and underdogs like last Monday, the Monday prior. I was like, yeah, it'd be pretty interesting if all his fighters ended up winning. And that's what happened. I don't. I tend not to make picks because like we're, we have clients on the Vayner sports roster. So I, if I pick for them, it's like, Oh, of course you're fucking picking your boy. And then if I pick against them, I'm going to get looks from the company. Like, are are you fucking kidding me? Like, come on, you're on a podcast, not taking our guy. So it's a tough spot to be in. It's an interesting dynamic because my buddy, Jared, you interviewed him. Yo, shouts, shouts to you, man. You gave gave me a shout out on your show. (laughs) I haven't died. So my buddy boss, who I went to the UFC fight with, we grew up with Jared from, from Astoria and he was like, yo, your boy. Cause I was telling him about you. I was like, yo, this kid is coming in and uh, did the podcast with Justin, whatever. He's a big UFC fan. We might link up. Cause that's who I went to the car with. He's like, yo, your boy. Your boy Bo had Jared on the show. He's like, yo, they uh, Jared almost bodied you. 
I was like, damn, what do you say? He's like, yo, your jujitsu is, you know, it's okay. It's good. He knows what he's doing. I was like, all right. I mean, yeah. I can't fuck up Jared no, no, anyway, no. right? So you got me. But I appreciated that, man. That was cool. I, but the reason why I bring that up real quick is because, like, um, my buddy Mike, Lazy the Savage, he's a videographer for a lot of MMA fighters, uh, a.k.a. Ronda Rousey and Same. all that. He told me, dude, never, ever tell a fighter that you're cool with that you've bet on them. Or pick them. Yep. Cause Don't. Because it, it also means you've probably picked against them. And also because, like, they got enough shit to worry about. Yeah. Now they don't need to have to think about, oh, man, Nick got money on me, yeah. too, yo. Yeah. yeah. I it, The picks thing is so fucking tough. And, like, John Anik has a great pick story. For years, did picks. And when Connor fought Nate for the first time. The 209. The 209 tattoo. And, like, I asked John about it on the show. And he's like, yeah, ever since then. You just can't do it, dude. And I know it sucks. And everyone wants your picks. And I, to a few close friends or family, like if they're like, or yeah, off the do? air too, yeah, yeah, a little different. And I may have hinted a little bit of a Whitman parlay to a couple of close friends type situation, but I don't want to do it on air. It's it's just kind of messy sometimes. But the uh, I also Alex Pereira, incredible debut as well. Yeah, and, and the prelims had all the knockouts, right? And heading into the main card, I think we had five finishes. I believe five knockouts in the prelims. The record's eight for a UFC event. So I'm looking at Chandler Gaethje. I'm like, fuck. Like, we're going to get to six with four fights to go. There's a yeah. shot. We have a shot of this. And then, of course, it doesn't happen. Most strikes landed ever in a mm. UFC event in Madison Square Garden. We got Chandler Gaethje, Billy Q. Shane, two great performances from t- title you know holders and and then the frankie edgar knockout which was a bummer but a little do you think it was quick stoppage no nah, i think it was right call when a guy when a guy or a girl just dead leg it yeah and com- it's it's a tough watch yeah i i'm never gonna disagree because i would rather it be aired on the side of caution than too late and so it's like, yo, if we're going to get pissed every single time there's a bad stoppage, like, yo, why, why the fuck didn't you stop that earlier? It's like, okay, I hear your advice. That means at some point, though, I'm going to go on the safe side and I'm going to stop, stop things it. too early. Too early yeah. So if you want no bad stoppages where guys are getting hurt or like the Anthony Smith situation with Glover Teixeira from last year, sure. What about 267? That one ref got pulled yeah, off the yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. So... I have to do more research. I don't want to talk about it too like in depth. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, it, I mean, the dude. It was a French dude, mm-hmm. um, Saint Saint Denis or, or something mm-hmm. like that. But he was just getting pieced up, and you talk about a zombie. Like he yeah. was a walking corpse. And I, from my understanding, is that the ref has not done a lot of work with the UFC before. No, because he was a uh, stationed out there kind of thing. Bingo, and. It was clear and obvious when when yeah. he was refing. So tough job. I don't I don't want to make him sound like a villain or anything, but that was poor. You're big into boxing and MMA. Which one do you prefer in person? I prefer MMA, but I think the moment I say that, everyone's like, "Yeah, fuck boxing." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" <laughs> I'm not quite like fuck boxing level. I I enjoy boxing. I probably liked boxing first. Like my grandpa liked boxing, so. I saw Corrales Castillo, which is like one of the greatest fights of all time in the history of boxing. And that's pretty much what got me into it. And then I saw Nate Diaz on the Ultimate Fighter season five mm. ball game. I'm like, oh, this is my fucking guy right here. I'm I'm going with this guy into battle. Wherever he goes, I go. So then it was 
MMA from there on out. I feel like boxing main events might have more appeal to them. Yeah. Whereas UFC pay-per-views blow away a boxing pay-per-view. You yeah. really buy a boxing pay-per-view for the main for the event. Main event, that's it. Whereas the UFC, you buy it and you're like, wait, I don't know either of these two fucking, uh, not for us, but like right. casuals at home or just people who are flipping through channels or going to a party that has a fight on. They're like, oh, I don't know either of these people, but this fight's fucking awesome. Now, why do you think that's the case? I think it's easier to understand who's winning. Boxing is not that way necessarily. Oh, I like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're someone who doesn't watch a whole lot, a takedown is obvious. A knockdown is obvious. Control against the cage, obvious. Boxing, like me slipping a punch or blocking a punch, it can be a little tough to see to like the naked eye. I think it's a huge factor into why the average viewer likes certain fighters and why the average viewer generally likes no-name UFC fights more than no-name boxing fights. Wow. I've never heard that response. I yeah. think that's... Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, I'm going to definitely steal that. I'll give you some credit, too. Because that was that was a good breakdown. Because it's true, too. Like, <clears throat> you could tell if someone's mounted. You're mm-hmm. Like, all right, he's clearly yeah. Yeah. winning the fight. Habib fights are the most, like, the easiest things to watch in the world. Yeah. You have one guy on top who took him down and is smashing. Yeah. And there's, like, no other word or adjective you can use. It's smashing, dude. This is what you see in movies. This is what you see, like... In middle school and high school and street fights, takedown, smashing. And that's why I think it's easy to see how dominant Habib was. Yeah. Who is who's your favorite fighter outside of Nate? Like who's your goat? My goat, I'm gonna say GSP. Same. That's who got me into UFC. So I saw a post of yours where you were saying, you know, GSP's your guy. Yeah. I struggle with Jones a little bit, just the, the positive tests make it really, really tricky because your two best wins, in my opinion, are Daniel Cormier wins, but then it's like both of them are asterisk. Yeah. And so I have a hard time with that one. What's interesting about John Jones is that he he might have, despite how great and dominant he's been, yeah. I think you can make a strong case that he's the biggest what if in the UFC ever. <sighs> think you, about how much time he's you. been inactive, all the questionable, off the, the fallouts, stuff. right? Yeah. The out-of-cage stuff. And he's still, what, 34? But remember, though, and, and just like Jose Aldo or anyone, like, John Jones is 34, but he's been fighting for 10 years. That's a different 34 than TJ Dillashaw, who, you know, he's been around in the UFC for a while, but all of a sudden you're like, wait, I didn't realize TJ Dillashaw was 35 or whatever. Like, the aging process I don't think is as accurate as how many – wars have you been yeah the wars will take years off you dude and that's why we have to appreciate it when they happen well frankie edgar they showed that graphic when the card started he had seven hours and 40 minutes of octagon time you're like what the hell that's insane it's wild you like this stat and i would drop this for the canelo fight caleb plant undefeated stud champion at 168 pounds 21 and 0 he had 122 rounds of pro boxing experience. Canelo Alvarez, 173 rounds of pro boxing experience in championship fights alone. Bro, he has more rounds in his bag 
in championship fights than he did in his entire career. And then once I heard that, I was like, fuck, dude. <laughs> like, I love Caleb's vibe. I love Plant's vibe. I, I like the him as a boxer. The dude can box, but fuck. Like, There's that experience, levels. dude. That's levels. Yeah. Yeah, when you see a guy... When you see a guy like Canelo or you see a guy like Habib and they just stomp out guys like Poirier, guys like Gaethje, and then you watch them fight other dudes, you're like, holy shit, how much better are these guys against them? (laughs) Like how many guys? The one issue that I have with boxing, I mean, there's a few issues. First and foremost for me, it's hard for me to identify a champion because there's so many belts, right? And then the other thing is, You'll watch a card and the dude is 28 and 0 and you've never heard of him. You're like, 28 and 0? Like, what the hell? Well, boxing fears losses. And it's probably the biggest issue. I think it's the Mayweather thing. Has to yeah. be. Yeah. Huge issue, dude. Right. Huge issue. Because cool. think, think about the UFC. So many fan favorites. So many box office hits have multiple losses. Michael Chandler, for example has put on banger after banger after banger. Three UFC fights, three bangers, two losses. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. It's incredible. Put on good shows. People people just want to see a good show. Corey Sanhagen, back-to-back losses right now to two you know, champs, essentially. Dillashaw yeah. and then Jan. Great performances, exciting fights. People are going to tune in for And San your Hagen. stock goes up because uh, uh, more people gravitate to you. Yep. You become a fan favorite. And even off a loss, you could still leave better than you came in. Boxing, all of a sudden, it's like you have one loss in Anthony Joshua. And people are freaking the fuck out about a loss. I'm like, guys, it's okay. Like, Think about the 70s heavyweights across the board, whether it be Frazier, Foreman, Ali. They had to fight each other. Yeah. They lost to each other. That's okay. Enjoy it as it is. Like, they're putting on shows. They don't have to be perfect. Yeah, and also when you look at, like, the, the shirt you have on, yeah. right? Wilder and, and, and Fury. It's not bad that Wilder's losses are to a guy who's never lost and is could go down as the GOAT heavyweight, yeah. too, if you look at his whole resume and how it might end up. So is it that bad of a loss? I think that's the Mayweather thing, man. Maybe. Mayweather became such a, like, oh, I'm 41 and 0, never lost. Yeah, I'm trying to think, though, like, even before that, like, Julio Cesar Chavez of the 80s, I'm trying to think, like, started his career, like, 89 and 0. And that's where, like, his buzz came from. It's like, fuck, this guy's fought 70 times and it's never lost. Like, that's who we have to see. But I, I feel like it extended a little bit, you know, the undefeated, undisputed is the most, like, sought-after phrase in fighting. But I don't know. I, I really like that the UFC embraces losses and good performances and credit to Dana White for mistakes that he might make here or there, whatever. Dude, he knows that a good performance is a good performance to the fans. What do you think of all these celebrity fights? You into them? Not necessarily into them. Probably not a hater, though, either. At the end of the day, I just think of it as like, and I've said this a million fucking times, but it's like Transformers. Like, yeah, you can go to the movies. You want to go see The Artist from 2012, which is in black and white and has no talking in it. Sure, you can go see like a really high skilled, high level boxing match that you don't know either person's name or, you know, whatever. Or you could go see the new Michael Bay Transformers movie and get drunk and like smoke a J with your friends in the parking lot and then just go have fun. I think for the celebrity fights, that's what this is to a lot of kids. It's like, oh, dude, I'm going to come over and we can watch the Jake Paul fight. For a lot of kids, that's all that is. And do you think also it's because of this generation with the influencer stuff? 
I think it's less about the influencer thing. I think it's less about the influencer thing. And I think boxing has to look in the mirror a little bit and say, yo, how did, how did this happen? Right? Like, what did we do wrong? Don't blame anyone else. Let's look in the mirror. Did we do anything wrong? Yeah. I mean, you booked Mayweather Pacquiao about 10 years late. Yeah. You know, you didn't book Joshua Fury when you had the chance. If you're not going to give us the fights that we want, people are going to resort to other forms of entertainment. So at some point, boxing has to say, yeah, we kind of fucked up a little bit. That's a cool. I think that's the coolest thing the UFC has going for them. Oh, the best if, fight, the best. Yeah. No exceptions. We'll pay you. You're next in line. You want a title shot? All right. You got to find number three. Oh, I don't want to fight. I don't care. Someone else will. It's cutthroat as shit, and it seems really unfair sometimes, but I think it's almost like a necessary evil. So I don't know like who's a good example of that right now. Like Nganu got kind of shafted, and you know it's tough. And like Steve Bezavaner, sports client. So I'm not necessarily like rooting for Nganu to have this great career. I would love to see Steve win the belt one more time and then retire, but Nganu got shafted. Yeah, he won the title in March, and then they had an interim fight in September or August. August I think it was bro. August. I was gonna say yeah. I think it's August. It's yeah, like, like that was that was a weird. How do you bu- how do you book a fight by August? Like, let alone have an interim fight. How do you not like to book a fight by August? Seems fucking crazy to me. So we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I feel like he got screwed a little bit in that one. Any fighters, uh, non-champions that you kind of gravitated towards in the oh, dude, I've been a months? I've been a Corey Sanhagen guy since like his second fight in the UFC. Yeah, um, him, I really really like. Um, always been a Gaethje guy. Also, I know you said champions. I've given you some like big names. Sean Brady, okay, dude to watch out for. Yeah. Uh, fought at CFFC. He's four and zero in the UFC now. Jersey guy. Uh, Philly. Philly, Philly. Philly guy, Philly. yeah, yeah. And uh, he's fighting next weekend against Chiesa. It was originally supposed to be Kevin Lee, right? Yeah. Okay. And then Lee got hurt. Oh, no, I think it might have been Brady. Something happened with Brady, and they rescheduled the fight. Then Lee got hurt, so it's Chiesa Lee on the Misha Tate card next weekend. Huge leap in competition for Oh, Brady. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiesa can be a nightmare to deal with, dude. Strong, strong. You know, wrestler. I would love to see Kiesa against Chimaev. I would too. Also, you know, if you had said that to me a year ago, I would have said, what? Like, Michael Kiesa, like, this is a 55er who's moving up to 70. Dude, Kiesa's going to end up at 85. The dude is getting bigger and bigger. It seems like by the month, 
he would be, and a lot of people want Burns versus Chimaev because yeah, the yeah. grappling kind of nullifies each other. But that's actually some pretty good matchmaking from your end. I would, <laughs> I would dig on Kiesa versus uh, Hamzat. Yeah, I'm excited for some of these fights. I mean, Yair and, and Max coming up this week. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like O'Malley, too, man. He gets a bad rep for some of his comments out of the ring and whatnot. And look, you don't need to like everything about yeah. someone, right? Like, there's there's certain people where, yeah, he might be a piece of shit and I don't really like some of the stuff that he said. But, like, I'm talking about the actual fighter. He He's dope, man. They're fighters. Yeah. What, what the fuck? do we expect from these people like these aren't people that are supposed to be like all there in the head yeah like of course they're gonna be a little fucking crazy some of the nicest people i've ever met though are fighters mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very humbled and i think one of the reasons why is because they know they could whoop your ass if, if needed it's a nice probably a nice feeling to have whereas <laughs> yeah. like usually you know the loudest dog in the room is like the yeah. one that's the most softest bite yeah. yeah yeah dude what uh how, how long have you been doing the vayner media stuff well, one thirty-seven p.m. One thirty-seven right? p.m., which is like Gary V's little baby. Um, publishing company covers a little bit of everything: music, cannabis, sports, movies, pop culture, and any style, fashion, video games, extensive esports, extensively. About uh, fourteen months ago, I sent them a DM. I said, "Hey, here's a clip of my fight podcast." think you guys would do really well with this type of content. I think it would fit really well in the demographic you guys have. Let me know. Just got hired like three weeks later. Wow. Yeah. So a legit shot your shot. Yeah. Just shot my shot. Wow. But like not even forced. Like I think a lot of times people just look at like accounts. They're like, here are 20 accounts. I'm going to DM. And like Gary preaches that or whatever. And that's fine. But <clears throat> it was the right fit. It was literally about the demographic of followers, the demographic of people. I was like, you guys don't do fight stuff. I think your people would love some fight content and just kind of made it happen from there. Damn, that's dope. Right and then how'd you link up with DraftKings? DraftKings is using VaynerMedia as their ad agency. The reason why I ask is because first time I saw you, you were doing those DraftKings videos. Yeah, bro. And it was in the beginning of football kicking up, like July, August-ish, and you... You actually, I, I told you this off air, but you inspired a segment that we had, legit, talking about single season records that could be broken this year. And I completely forgot the caveat of there being an additional game. I think it's everything. So when I watched that video, I was like, oh, shit, you were talking about the, uh, the interceptions. Yeah. Uh, Night Train Lane had mm -hmm. 14, and it was only in 12 games, right? And then uh, brought it up to my buddy Allen. We talked about it, talked about different records through somehow, sacks, record, passing yards, whatever it might be. And then fast forward a couple weeks later, we end up being on the same pod together. And it wasn't until after we recorded that pod with Justin, I'm like, yo, why do I know this fucking kid? Where do <laughs> I know him from? And then like three days later, a DraftKings, I'm like, yeah. And then I think I DM'd you. I was like, bro, you're the DraftKings kid. Yep. That's so dope, man. I mean, I had never like, the goal by any means is not to get famous. Like, I don't want to be stopped at dinner. You know what I mean? Dude, what I'm doing now. Yeah. Perfect for me. I'm so happy with it. I just get to create content full time. I used to wake up at three in the morning while going to school, while creating a podcast, while trying to lose weight because I got really fat at one point. Drinking or eating? Uh, a lot of drinking. Okay. A lot of like people were astonished how much I worked out and I was getting big, but not big yeah. like muscle. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, yo, how are you? 
getting fat, okay. dude. Like you're a beast in the gym. Well, everyone's different. Like some people, the drinks will like oh, add it on to one. And and some a, people are like eat and they have tr- trouble. Nah, I'm a drink okay. drink my calories. Guy, okay. I love beer, dude. Guilty okay. pleasure. Okay. Just beers, beers, beers. And uh, I got, I got. First of all, hold up, hold <laughs> up. That beers, beers, beers. Can we clip that? Like, oh I yeah. Just, I just want to clip that. It's <laughs> gonna be on the loop. <laughs> beers, 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 beers. So I had gotten like really heavy, dude, and. When I got into podcasting, I remember just telling my boys, I was like, yo, I just want to do this shit full time. Yeah. If I don't got to flip eggs anymore, like in the city with my dad, ironically enough, the next two weeks I'll be working in the city because it's like Thanksgiving. Yeah. My dad's like, yo, I need a break a little bit. Yeah. So I'm balancing everything out. But yeah, man, I just wanted to I just wanted to be able to sustain a healthy living, a, a profitable living. Make some money doing what I love to do, create, and just do that full time. So if you were to like pick two or three big name dogs like in the content world that you not model yourself after, but definitely influence you, who would you say kind of some of them oh, are? Oh, Rogan easily. Yeah. Um, Bill Simmons as well. Me too. And honestly, it's just them two, I would say. It was them two. There's not really anyone in sports betting that I listen to a lot. Um no one else on like ESPN or Fox. I like Rosenberg, Peter Rosenberg from mm-hmm. Hot 97, just because, you know, he's a hip hop guy, uh, moved to New York. Did was... you ever write? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Uh, writing is not my, uh, I can't put tweets together, bro. <laughs> how many opportunities I've had to like join a company, but I had to write and I was like, nah, just not my strength. Okay. Put me in front of a camera, Mike, I'll give you gold. But writing? Okay. Nope. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I mean, cause it like, most on-air people say like, yo, learn to write. Yeah. Like learn to write your scripts, learn to write your intros, outros. My mom's an author. So growing up, like, like she would have just smacked me right now. No, no likes, no ums. Come on, get it together. She didn't actually smack me. But, you know, would get on me a little bit about the likes and the ums. So growing up, it was... It was serious in the in Well, the house. she was a public speaker, too. Public so speaker, coming author, Coming from that background. That, yeah. Got to get whipped in. And if, like, friends came over, she would get on them, too, about, you know, no likes, no um. So it was funny. You know, now when I listen to people, I pick up on how often they say those kind of words. Everyone has their fillers. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know about you. You're, you're doing all in-studio work, mm. right? You're not doing a whole lot of like Zoom interviews? I try my best not to, man. Like we easily could have connected a week or two after mm-hmm. we did the pod. And I was just saying to myself, I'm pretty sure you'll probably end up in New York at some point. And I'd rather just hold it off. I know. As bro. best I can, I'd rather hold it off. Yeah. Are there certain situations where I have no other choice? Of course. Is there a big name that might be difficult to be like, hey, man, I recorded my apartment. Yep. That might be a little awkward, and I understand that. <laughs> Out in Queens. Out in Queens, right? <laughs> but for the most part, if, it, if it's a homie, I could definitely get him to just come in studio, and I'd rather just put it off to the side. And I hear you. The thing I was going to say is since doing the Zoom stuff, I've created some bad habits, like hosting-wise. And like when I just look at it from like what are my skills, like what's my game like as a, as a host, as a podcaster, created some really bad habits. Now, why is that? It's the timing of the back and forth conversation. Zoom works when you're doing it with someone that you've either recorded with before or you're a friend of. Or it's the exact opposite. It's no, there's no middle ground. So I feel like we almost would have really struggled because it's either 
I'm interviewing Sean O'Malley, and it's going to be a Q&A where I get to ask him a question, he responds. I ask a question, he responds. Or it's got to be a homie that you know, ride or die, when he's going to finish that sentence, what he's going to say next. Then you can have that conversation. But for people where you're like, oh, let's figure it out a little bit, it can be really fucking tough. Yeah, there has to be way more structure. When I do Zoom conversations, I do have more of an outline. Like right here, I have an outline to my bottom bottom right. Everyone knows this. I don't want to say I rarely prepare, but I'm a, to, to use the wrestling terminology, like bullet point my promos. Okay. I'm going to hit on the bullet points. Sure. So like I let you know, let's talk a little bit about UFC, you coming up yeah. with content creating, working with Gary V, shit like that. But for the most part, when I first started doing podcasts, I really put an emphasis on writing out each question. So in the beginning, the early stages, people that listen to the show, they'll, be, they'll say to themselves, yeah, it was bad because I'd ask you, hey, Bo, so where are you from? Oh, I'm from San Diego, whatever, grew up here, this and that, went to Missouri, did all this shit you were telling me before. And I would completely ignore everything you're telling me. There'd be no rebuttal. There'd be no follow-up. No, oh, shit, how was Missouri? Right? You go from sunshine and, and, and surfboards. Yep. Uh, you know, never been to Missouri, but Ozark is over there. So they're kind of <laughs> Ozarky, where I was completely just tuning out the guest just to get to the next question. Because I didn't know. I didn't go to journalism school. Yeah, I dropped out of school. Sure. So I didn't know what the proper protocol is to interview and and all that. So for me, it became more of a body, vibe, energy kind of thing. But here's the thing is I I don't know if there is a protocol. Like Everyone's style is different. Everyone's style is fucking different. And you're talking about like writing out each word of the question. I just think of it as like in your rookie season, you're, you're doing the plays on the playbook. It's not until like year four where you get the connection with Rodgers where instead of going back shoulder here, yo, let's just, I'm going deep. I don't even have to look and turn. We have the coverage. You know, it's a no, like, uh, no sign, no language. We just know. I think it's just, it just takes a little bit of time to like get there. I think, you know, your rookie season, you're just like, oh, I'm following the playbook. I'm not going to fuck not up. trying to screw up I don't up want anything. coach to get mad at me. Nothing like that. So don't get benched. Generally, I just think it's that and it takes reps at doing this shit. Yeah, for sure, man. I've done close to, I think it's like over 1,400 podcasts. Yeah, I just passed 600 now with, with VM. I had like 300 episodes of Degeneration Bets, The Jerks Wrestling Show, a bunch of Patreon stuff too. I have over 1,000 hours streaming on Twitch too. Shut up. Yeah, man. I don't stream as much as I used to. Now I just do a daily fantasy show on Fridays using DraftKings because I play on DraftKings. So Hell yeah. So you know, break down the slate, plays, fades, the whole nine. And then what's the show you do with... Um, Will Blackman. Yes. Upsets and Underdogs. Yes. Yeah, that's a betting and a sport... It's a sports better expertise with a former player it's a a fun dynamic i've learned a lot about what it is being a professional athlete and looking at it from a different dynamic and then who's the production company with that is that a blue wire blue Blue wire yeah yeah that's sick dude yeah man that's been one of the reasons why i'm able to just create content now full time it's been cool to network and expand on that and uh that's a lot more structured than this is so that's another dynamic too and also there i'm more of a Mm -hmm. Mm co-host take a back seat kind of speak when spoken to that's been a big adjustment for me too i think you're just being a good teammate there like yeah because will was fucking balling out being a pro athlete he wasn't doing this side of stuff right so being a good teammate like yo i know like 
you know, my big man is is struggling right now with some air. Let's slow down the offense, yeah. right? Like, I know he can't get up the floor too quick right now. Let's slow down. Let's, like, run the half-court offense a little bit. I try to not make people's lives complicated yeah. as best I can, no matter what it might yeah. be across the board. I try not to be difficult. You I know, do you, you have friends when you try to schedule plans, they won't give you a definitive answer? I'm probably that friend. Oh! I'm playing. I'm playing. No, 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 no. I'm playing. Honestly, like, my homies and I are so tight that – it feels like we see each other every day. Oh, I have the same group of friends yeah. my whole life. About 15 to 20 years of friendship okay. is like the minimum. Yeah. Right? But good amount of them. I'll let you know if I can make it Friday. Oh, no, you can't do it. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Dude, I need to let the place know that no, I'm going to have a capacity. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you know day of. That, that's some bullshit, uh, So bro. me, I'm a, hey, man, two weeks from now, it's my birthday. I'm going to be at the mm-hmm. spot. I'm there. Just tell me, tell me where. Yeah. Try not to add complex situations to life the only thing that i am guilty of is yo bo it's my birthday would love to have you come through or whatever whatever it is like i'm just making some up okay i got holloway rodriguez that night i just got to keep an eye on that outside of that i'm in but just know like during that fight i'm gonna have to be like a little dialed in watching or whatever so the sports schedule is the only thing that i generally am like okay just fyi i got you know bucks Knicks on wednesday like i I got, I got to, I got to do that. So that's the only thing that sometimes I'll be a little bit of a bit. Yeah. About. And I'm sure they probably know that too. Yeah. Not to invite you out when yeah. it's UFC yeah. 269 <laughs> coming up or something like that. It's not happening, bro. Yeah. You can't have that. I'm dialed in. So, um, I, I had one more question I wanted to run by you. What's up? As I was saying, I am not a pro athlete per se, but I like to, surf I like to golf i still play hoop all the time like twice a week i'm still playing pickup soccer and i'm in a soccer league once a week yeah me too tuesdays co-ed okay i got co-ed thursdays nice so yeah i got four goals through four weeks because we're, we're pumping it in i struggle throwing a football uh-oh like played baseball my whole life like through high school can throw a baseball just fine from center field to home but for whatever fucking reason like the football motion just does not feel that good. What is uh, what are most people doing wrong when they're throwing a football? Probably the way you grip it. Okay. You want to get your index finger At as the close to the top See, of the I football. I fucking hate that. Yeah. That's the worst. And I don't even have the biggest hands. Okay. But that's when you would just cup it a little. I actually have a football out there. It would have been a better visual if I knew you would have asked this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, that's a that's a way. And I'm a I'm a pinky. And ring finger on the spiral guy. Okay. Some people are different. I have a friend of mine that doesn't even use the the, the laces. What's your who's your pro comparison in soccer? Oh, dude, I was a defensive midfielder going up. Okay. Okay. Pirlo, uh, Vieira, yeah. Gilberto Silva. Sure. Those Beautiful. are my guys. Okay. About to hit you with one. You'll get hyped about this. Deco. Holy shit. I yeah. mean, not since like 06 FIFA, maybe? Yeah, it's been a while, though. But a por- Portuguese, great. Uh, brother, I, I can get behind all of it. I am. That's probably my favorite question to ask anyone about anything ever. Like, who's your pro comparison? Because it tells you a lot about them, like how they view themselves, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who they admire in the, in, you know, in the professional leagues. Or oh, whatever. basketball? I was an even slower Paul Pierce. Jesus. Yeah. Dude played the same speed all 18 yeah. years in the league. Same way, man. You know, but it's not necessarily like 
elite about core being vision. quick, it's can you look quick? And at times, Paul Pierce would go so fucking slow. He would lull <laughs> his defender asleep, and then boom, just like one quick step, he'd pull up. I love Paul Pierce's game, man. The truth. Yeah, yeah, Knicks killer, man. I mean, there's been a lot of Knicks killers, but he's one that definitely comes to mind. I would mind. almost argue a New York killer in the sense that he killed the Knicks and then killed Brooklyn with his contract. Yeah, so, when he got traded here. So yeah. I might argue that he's yeah, a New yeah, York yeah. killer. Oh, for sure, man, for sure. What uh, what's your what's your player comp in soccer? Soccer. You're definitely like a winger, right? Are you a forward? Yeah, I like to score. Yeah, yeah, I like to score, but uh, a workhorse. So I'm trying to think of someone who like just runs everywhere. Like I'm just trying to get after every single ball. And a lot of times my goals are fucking ugly. Like I don't care though. Like garbage man, I'll stand in front oh, of the just keeper. Tap-ins? Tap-ins, bro. But it's people think it's like a, a greasy or slimy part of the game. It's like, dude, scoring is the only thing that fucking matters. I had a, a buddy of mine, uh, Peter Toros, now coaches uh, his dad's youth academy. They're partnered up with the Red Bulls and U.S. Sick. soccer. Like he's really he, he's going to be a coach somewhere big one day. Uh, playing soccer with him, people would ask me how good Petey was, and I would say, dude knows how to score. Sounds very generic yep. and basic, yep. but it's like one chance, one goal. That's a skill. He just knows how to put it in the back of the net. And we don't have to get like deep into this CR7 messy. Where do you kind of fall on the Oh, uh I was always a messy guy. No wrong answers in this conversation. And then Ronaldo won the Euro Cup. International success is huge in the soccer world. When you want to be considered an all-time great, you got to have national success. Then Messi wins the Copa and now I think it's tied again. No. Nah. I don't think the Copa, to me, Copa and Euros are not remotely the same. Totally agree yeah. with you. You know, I don't watch Greece soccer anymore since they didn't make the World Cup after winning the Euro okay. Cup in 04. Okay. Because you look at all the top teams, they're all from Europe. Yeah. yeah. To me, Euros is the second biggest tournament in the world, maybe even ahead of like Champions League. Like, I, I just think of the Euros really highly regarded, but. For me, the at the end of the day, like the the Ronaldo versus Messi comparison, Ronaldo shows up in the most opportunistic times. Like, dude, the number of game tying or go ahead goals he has in the final ten minutes of these fucking games, it feels like he says, "Oh fuck, we're about to lose. I gotta change that." And also, let's add more to this. Add some context. This isn't against. Villarreal, you're talking about Champions League, everyone, finals, everyone, semifinals in Euro. This anyone is can get it. Big anyone time player it, makes bro. big time plays and big time games, man. And people talk about the tap in, like, oh, Ronaldo just taps in shit. I'm like, do you not realize that's a skill? Like knowing where the ball is going to be deflected, like the way Dennis Rodman could read rebounds off the rim. Right. He, Dennis Rodman will tell you, like, dude, rebounding is a skill. Seeing how that ball is going to bounce off the rim, short, long. I would, you know, he talks about like, I would feed Michael for hours just because I wanted to know how his ball would bounce off the rim. I think Ronaldo's the same way. Like, he knows how the ball's going to bounce off defenders and just can, oh, tap in. Last thing I want to ask you, what's your, uh, what's your favorite sport? It's a great fucking question. I'm going to say hoop. I'm going to say basketball. You know, dad's probably favorite sport. He's the guy who got me into sports entirely, like. Sports photographer. My dad's a wicked free throw shooter. Hmm. Like, ridiculous. 
Like he's got records and shit. Like Let's go. made 199 in a row. Ah, yikes. He's shot 70. Good yeah. yikes. <laughs> yeah. He's shot 70,000 free throws over the last 10 years. And so like that's his kind of like thing a little bit. Um, Is he like a free throw coach or? He coached like me growing up and coached high school kids. And oh. yeah, yeah. It worked with like kids in, here and there. But the dude can shoot some fucking free throws, bro. Like just dial wow. it in. Ironically enough, basketball might be my dad's favorite sport too. Even though we were a soccer family going. Interesting. Up too. So where did the soccer come? Mom's side. My no, nah, my dad. Soccer is probably his first love. Like it is mine. Kay. I like to say football is my side piece. Yeah. Basketball is his side piece. Kay. He just loves. He'll just randomly text me, a Denver Minnesota game. He's like, "Yo, Jokic just going crazy." I'm like, "What the hell? Why are you watching this?" Because yeah. I have League Pass and he uses yeah. it too. Yeah. But yeah, he loves he loves basketball. We're we're decade long, if not longer, league pass subscribers. Yeah, every year, dude. Like we watch, and he's a Bucks fan. I'm like that's how I became a Bucks fan. He's from Milwaukee, so oh yeah, and living out west, you gotta have it. Have to have to, league to pass. Him. Even when we sucked, it was like yeah, yeah we still watch. I our started Bucks. getting league pass around 2015, and it was for the Thunder and the Blazers. Love Durant and love Damian Lillard. I think Lillard now is probably my favorite basketball player. It's a great fucking answer. Yeah. We had a old segment on uh on a podcast and we I know we uh, wrap it up. No, no, so, I'm just trying to cuz the battery just went from two bars to one bar so I want to just keep my, my <laughs> I got eye you. On it. I got you. We had an old segment on a college podcast. It was like you're all league pass team. And so it's like you're not picking all-stars. You're just picking oh, five yeah, guys yeah. that you enjoy to watch as you're flipping through league pass and it would like be before the season. So like, all right, so this season like before De'Aaron Fox or before Jaron Jackson like pops off, you know these guys are fun to watch. Like if you're just flipping through channels on a mid February, it's snowy out on a Tuesday night. You're watching who, bro? What would you know about the snow out in Missouri, Tuesday? bro? Oh, okay, Missouri, okay. come on, <laughs> I, I, I felt and come on, I, Missouri gave me that cred. I feel like a little bit, but outside of that, I'm just pure beach surf, San Diego golf type beat. Oh man. Dude, the one thing that I sweat you the most about is living out west. Is not even the weather, because I kind I feel like the cold builds character. It does and I just hate living in the East Coast for sporting events. I'm sorry. I got out of MSG on Saturday at 1:40 in the morning. It's 2 a.m. and and when they said and still and gave Usman the belt. I didn't even stay to listen to what he said or Colby said. I started leaving. But it was chaos getting out of the garden as it always is. And when I got to the corner at the halal stand, look at my watch, 143. I'm like, yo, this is ridiculous. And I guess like the New York thing too, it's even worse. Like Burt Kreischer's performing downstairs below the garden as the fights are going on. Wow, I didn't even know that. Burt Kreischer put on a huge comedy show. At the same time, so as everyone's getting out at 1.30 to 2 a.m., you have two massive, massive shows going on, and people are leaving. So, yeah, I, I was just stunned, dude. 2 a.m., I'm on two hours of sleep. And, and you're, you're not going anywhere after. You're bro, going straight to sleep. Drinking all day long. Yeah. Like, I was I was hurting by 2 a.m. Like, the fight was amazing. I enjoyed it. I was not in any pain, obviously, watching the fight, but... Getting out of there, dude. And we tried to go to a pizza spot that's open till three thirty. 
but I can't remember the name. Two brothers? No, no, no. It's not two brothers. I, I, I know, I know which one. Two brothers. I'll, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Yeah, that one was. I mean, because we, par- my buddy, parked right down the block from it, and the line looped all across Eighth Avenue. It was massive. Yeah, and, and that pizza's not even like I would never tell you to go no, there. It's no. not pizza. Like, yeah, it's New York pizza, but it's not New York pizza. If you were to hit me up and be like, "Hey, man, I want to go eat some good ass pizza," I'm not gonna tell you two brothers. No offense, unless you're a sponsor. But Where is Queens Boulevard? Queens Boulevard is about four blocks over from where we're at now. I think I'm gonna have to walk on over there. I'm just a- be careful. Very dangerous. Really? Yeah, a lot God. of accidents on that, man. I don't want to scare you, but just you know, just be careful. Okay. Don't even if it's. Even if you see no cars coming and you think you could cross, don't. It okay. is just wait until you see that little white guy flash or you can okay. just cross. Because I'm like, I know you got to be aggressive out here when you're walking. You got high alert, keep an eye on the road yeah. and all that. Oh, jazz. And, and now the, the bike lane stuff is yeah. out of control. And I'm a biker. Like I have a bike okay. to commute around. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. Because I'm a diehard entourage fan so the queen's boulevard thing bro don't even get me going you don't want you don't want to hear the entourage story bro i love entourage you don't, i have you don't, a poster in my room i i got bedroom. i got one in my studio i got an entourage poster in my tell studio. me the entourage story my brother was djing in san diego nightclub dj having a good time in his 20s this is mid 2000s he's on myspace and there's this contest by entourage who can get the biggest entourage to sign up for like their page on MySpace. Winner got like a couple grand to throw this big party, whatever. My brother won the contest and turned that into his business. He was the CEO of Entourage Promotions. So like Entourage is massive to us. That was like literally his party company in the 20s was because he won the Entourage contest, threw a big party with the money. And then since then he was like, yo, I think I could like, connect clubs with djs and like get people there and kind of like became a little bit of like a promoter type deal entourage promotions that's dope yeah that's super dope i i don't think there's a show i've rewatched more in my life than that it's impossible can i ask like favorite episode <sighs> i know i'm hitting you i apologize i like uh i like when turtle starts messing with uh metal soprano first class jerk yeah, and then drama sort of spills the beans as yeah. she comes over and yeah. throws. And she's like, yeah. I would have fucked them too. And yeah. he's like, <laughs> He oh, kept I'm his so mouth sorry. shut. Yeah. Turtle, I am so sorry. And then bro. obviously being a New York Giants fan, the Tom Brady episode yeah. was really good with Turtle. See, but, I like the, and I like the LA episodes, obviously, just because yeah. grew up with it or whatever. But like One Day in the Valley, which is like season three, episode two, I think. It's just, it was also cool because it's like Queens Boulevard, you know, like they're from Queens and it's just I always am, right. I yeah. am Queen, yeah. Queens Boulevard, you know? It's a, it's a good show. But would you agree that that's not a show I would recommend to a lot of people? Like, it's my favorite show, but if a bystander was to ask me to put them onto a show, I don't know if I would. It's a, very um what's the word i'm looking for you can't judge it so like if you're someone who's like oh this is low level or like oh this is crass like if if they're any bit like pretentious in any way or they they take their art really seriously or something like that if they're like a foodie who's like oh i didn't love the yeah okay i hear you no it's got to be someone who's just like about the vibe like yo good vibe i'm in good time good show like and i literally can almost define like friendships by like my homies who like entourage and the guys are like yeah never really got into it i was like okay you're that guy <laughs> <laughs> i 
love it, man. I love it, dude. This was this was fun, yo. Killer. I appreciate you coming in, dude. This is dope. I was so stoked. I like on my list of New York things I was doing this week. I was mad hyped to come out here and do this, dude. Let's go. Yeah, super excited. No, no bullshit at all. I think I might be in Vegas on a nice pay per view. You think you're 269? going? Yeah, I think I am. Right. Sean O'Malley fights. Yeah. So does Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, Poirier also Nunez. I'm excited for that one. That's a pretty stacked card too. Yeah, I know. Top to bottom, it might be more stacked than this. I know, one. which is just like. Last thought, I fighting is just getting better and better. Like years ago, we would have considered these pay-per-views as like all-time events. And now we're getting one every month. And yeah. we're literally asking the question, oh, is this the best card in UFC history? Is this the best fight in the of the year? Dude, it's happening every fucking month. Yeah. So badass. So badass. Dude, this is a pleasure. Where can people find you? Let's uh, tell us some more stuff that you're working on. Uh, at Bo Templin everywhere. Nice and easy do a movie instagram live every wednesday at noon eastern time with connor sharon from 137 p.m we're reviewing eternals tomorrow the new marvel movie in the fight comes out every tuesday the fight podcast and then i do some DraftKings content tiktoks social content here and there show up a couple live events and then handle a few weeks out of the year handle the DraftKings social accounts for nfl weekends which is a lot of fun you know i mean making memes all that shit Hell yeah. it's a good time Hell yeah. brother i appreciate it i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.